Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. We're back at it. Guy Talk, the extended version, the British version, the extended play. So we're going to go <laughs> the first half hour. And then Dr. Kristen Nelson is going to be with me in the second half hour. This uh, She's a speaker and veterinarian, and uh, she's going to have some pretty interesting things to say about her life taking care of animals. You're going to not want to miss that as well. All right, Guide Talk continues. Uh, Pastors Tom Brock, uh, Tom Parrish, and Justin Bowser are in uh, my studio, and we're uh, taking any kind of question you might have. A listener uh, just uh, typed this. I feel like I'm a disappointment to Jesus. I look back over my life recently, and I- I'm just shocked at some of the things I have done. How do I overcome that? More so, maybe I'm extremely disappointed in myself. I can tell you, I understand this guy because that's me, okay. what he just said. And okay. I mean, when I think of some of the evil, stupid things I've done in my life, it really bugs me. It makes me realize I really do deserve to go to hell. But when you're feeling that way, there's, there's either, either you give up or you claim the blood of Christ, claim First John 1, 9, he forgives when you confess, and then you forgive yourself and you move on. It's all you can do. And then when the devil brings it up uh, the next day, you do the same thing. You take him to the cross and say, here's where my sins have been forgiven. Yes, it was evil. Yes, I deserve hell. But yes, my sins are forgiven. I'm going to heaven. Romans 8, 1. There you go. Yeah, There's there no condemnation. No condemnation so we for fight. those who are in Christ I, Jesus. I don't know that these doubts and these nagging, you're so evil uh, thoughts leave until we die. But we have to fight them with the gospel. Well, there are two things that are going on here. One, as you mentioned very well, the devil loves to massage this kind of stuff and make us feel so guilty mm-hmm. and so bad. But the truth is, we're all in the same boat. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't. We're all in the Titanic. We're all going down. If you think of it that way. But the other thing is, oftentimes this is the way the Holy Spirit pushes us. If we need to go talk to somebody, there are many people that I have messed up in life, in my especially in my youth, and things I did wrong. And I found that the, the Holy Spirit doesn't let me forget some yeah. of that stuff. Yeah. And so I found with the Internet, guess what? I can contact these people. Yeah. You know, I just got an email from a guy. I couldn't believe it. I don't remember this. He said, yeah, I remember growing up in Perrysburg with you, and, and you were pretty mean to me, and you knocked me down a few times. And I'm thinking, I did? I don't remember that. My choice was, what do I do? Well, I was able to get a hold of the guy. And I said to him, I am so sorry. Forgive me for what I've done. I'm, I was a stupid kid. And it really broke him up to, uh, about that. I, I knew nothing about it for mm-hmm. sixty some years. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of it too. Yeah, and I th- I think you're, what you're saying is right. We need to apologize when we've sinned. But somebody somebody uh, wrote uh, an email. I think it was, and you know, I've, I did all these sins before I was saved. Now, do I need to go back and make it up to all these people? And this person had a good thought. There was somebody else responded saying. The Apostle Paul did not go back and try to make it right with all these people he had persecuted. He received the forgiveness of sins, moved on, and spent the rest of his life preaching the gospel. Now, did Paul ever uh, apologize to somebody that he saw that he had persecuted? I bet he would have. You of know? course. But you don't spend your life uh, 
bringing up the dead, you know. No, it's when but, the Lord brings it to you. That's right. And and I'm ner- you know, I'm nervous about people. I mean so, somebody said, you know, my dad molested me as a kid and he's a believer, but he he molested me as a kid. Did your dad ever apologize for that? No. I don't get that. I know. I just if you're if you've really sinned like that and it just seems to me especially if it's your child, yeah. you got to say please forgive me for doing that, you know. Yeah. All right, I'm looking at another uh, passage out of James, and it starts in verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But then the next verse says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. How do you uh, walk that tightrope? That's a hard one. One of the best definitions I ever heard of wisdom, biblical wisdom, is the ability to take the truth of the Bible and apply it accurately to life. That's wisdom. That is wisdom. Because what else are we going to do with wisdom? You know, what the Lord says about himself, we apply it to life. What he says about others, we apply it to life. Um, on the other hand, the second half of this verse, I don't know if there's a particular theme that James was addressing there or something going on in the church, but I think it is, uh, we can't get into this double-mindedness or we can't get into this idea that, yeah, I'm going to apply God's truth, but maybe I should you know something else over here. I think it's a battle, and I think it's a battle. That's where we need one another, because if I try to live my relationship with Jesus out in my own mind, I don't have wisdom. Where I live it out is with one another, where Bill or Justin can say to me, what are you thinking about, Tom? Mm-hmm. Where did you get that stupid idea? Mm-hmm. I need that. And when we have that, then we can be healthy, and then wisdom really works in our life. And, and I think sometimes when I claim James 1, God, give me wisdom on this, sometimes the wisdom from God is, I'm not going to show you that yet. And, I mean, for instance, Tom, you can pray, God, James chapter 1, I need wisdom regarding predestination. Do I believe in that or not? I can say the same prayer. You'll get one answer that you think is from the Lord. I'll get another answer that I think is from the Lord. What do you do with that? Again, all I can do is 1 Corinthians 13, now I know in part, in heaven I'll understand fully. So I don't think you can use James 1 as the solver for all the theological differences between Christians. I'm hoping, I'm thinking that's more the regular day-to-day practical wisdom to know how to live your life. Mm -hmm. All right. At the break, we were talking about being involved in, in religious traditions that have caused harm in your life. And everybody kind of shook their heads that we know personally, or many that suffered at the hands of, uh, tradition that was mm-hmm. painful. And I don't want to be bringing up difficult, painful stories, but I, I do invite any listener that would be willing to share, and hopefully they've gotten on the other side of it and they can offer some hope to others. But um, there's been plenty of that out there. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult because it's, you're nodding at me now. So, Well, you know, I, Bill, what I'm thinking of? Yeah. So I'm in Shipshawan, Indiana, Amish country. Yeah. I'm going, believe it or not, Amish have garage sales. So I went to an Amish garage sale. I thought, here's this lady dressed like an Amish lady. Well, it turns out she was Mennonite. And she and her husband were raised Amish. When they had marital problems, they went to a Christian counselor. 
got saved, heard about grace. It's not by works and legalism. It's by the cross you're saved. Mm-hmm. And and she was raised under a legalism that killed until she discovered grace. Now, so and that's the that's the common for, uh, problem for people that are li- raised in very religious strict kinds of Christianity. Mm-hmm. The other option <laughs> is the United Church of Christ and all the liberal denominations where anything goes, hey, everybody's saved, grace, 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 grace. And if you're raised under that, you can lose salvation. So it's just, you know, we got to be in the word. We got to preach what's called the law and the gospel, God's law convicting of sin and God's gospel that we're forgiven through grace. Yeah. When you say you could lose salvation, I don't know what you mean by that. I understand that you may have never been saved originally, mm-hmm, right? And maybe you thought you were, but you never were. I think that that happens. Yeah, well, it's kind of like the woman caught in adultery. My real liberal friends love the first part of that story, you know, where Jesus says, "He was without sin among you, cast the first stone," and they all went away. And he said, "Women, where are your accusers? Uh, they're all gone, Lord." And they love to stop right there. You know, that's the problem. That's an abuse because the rest of the verse says, "Now go and leave your life of sin." If we don't balance the truth between the two of those with people all the time, as Jesus would, then we're not serving them. And we wind up abusing people without even knowing it. Mm-hmm. We, we force upon them our own fears, our own theology that is not really reflecting the Lord Jesus. And I know many churches that do that and, and continue to do that. And I've tried to fight that in my own ministry. I'm sure that there are some that would say, you know, he was too dogmatic about Jesus and the Word of God. Well, I probably, probably am. But the question is, did I do it in a way that harmed you, or did I do it in a way that drove you away from the truth? Yeah. But sometimes the truth is painful, well, and I need to hear it as well. If I can show both extremes. Tom, you and I fought liberalism in the ELCA Lutheran Church. Teaching the, the teaching is that everybody's saved. Universalism, you don't have to believe in Christ to be saved. That's, that's one of the common problems with liberal. So there's that problem, that everybody's saved, and we can hurt people by saying that. Because John fourteen six says, no, it's only through Christ. But here I am, 12 years old, sitting in my very conservative Lutheran confirmation class. My hand went up, Pastor Ruff, can you be saved if you're not a Lutheran? And this is Missouri Synod. And this is not the Missouri Synod everywhere. This is him. And he paused. Well, I think there are other Christians out there. <laughs> I mean, that is, that, to, to me, there's got to be a middle road. <laughs> Yeah. And and uh, so the formulas can kill you. And believe me, there's all kinds of formulas. There's the Lu- conservative Lutheran formula, the liberal Lutheran formula. We need to be saved by Christ alone, and and not, and but we need to be saved. Right? <laughs> it's not right. everybody's saved. Right. We love our denominationalism. We love mm-hmm. the truths that come out of that, and we think that those are the exclusive truths that mm-hmm. everybody should adhere to. When in reality, they're a partial reality of the Word of God. And that's where I need my Baptist friends. That's where I need my other friends uh, that really love the Lord to help me look at the Scriptures, maybe different than I've looked at it before. And not that they're right or wrong or I'm right or wrong, but it forces me to grow up. Yeah. What is the, is it John Wesley who said, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberality, in all things, charity or love, something like that. That's why I've always treated you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. All right. We'll take a little break. We'll be right back with Guide Talk. Let me know if you have a question or a comment or something you would like us to discuss. We'd be happy to do it. 877-933-2484. 
we're back with Guide Talk. Again, we've got time for another question or comment. 877-93-FAITH. be happy to take that question or comment. I get some great quotes from Rebecca, my producer, and she said this to me. This is great. There is no substitute for being alone with God. If you don't have time, you need to quit something to make room. Amen. If you're too busy for God, you're too busy. Yeah. In my first congregation, one of the members said, Tom, you ever been bow hunting? I said, no, I haven't. I love bows. So I got a compound bow, and I sat in the stand for the next three years and never got a deer. <laughs> and I sat there, learned to sit there for four, five, six hours without moving and without talking. Uh-huh. And then I came to realize Jesus was teaching me how to meditate. Uh-huh. Because you sat there that long, what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, I started doing scripture verses. I yep. started praying. And it reached a point where finally when the first deer walked by, I was so deep in prayer, I think I missed him. <laughs> and, you know, I, I drove back. I went to the Black Hills last week. And I drove back by myself from the Black Hills to Minneapolis. And for part of that, I just turned the radio off. And I just talked to the Lord when I felt like it. Sometimes I sing to the Lord. And just, you know, just to, if you've got a dry, if you've got a 20-minute commute to get to work, why not turn the radio off and, and spend a lot of time just talking to the Lord? Nothing's wrong with listening to music, but nothing's wrong with turning it off. You know? Wait a second. What about listening to Faith Radio? Oh, You're of kind of blowing Bill, it with that, Bill. Tom. Everybody needs Get to listen. Get yourself out of not, this not, whole just, time. not just talk radio. This program, Bill. <laughs> Guy talk. If people don't listen to this, yes, they're this, in trouble. I agree. Uh-huh. I agree. I agree. Is that a formula? It is a formula. Okay. <laughs> That's the only formula I'm okay with. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, what about your um, your time, your quiet time, just you and God? You're a busy guy. I am a busy guy. Um, I think um, it's it's it's... One of the most important things you can do for your walk with God. Because it's about relationship. And that's what, you know, salvation is about, is re- restoring that relationship with God. And and um, not just punching the time clock, you know. Oh, I got I to gotta pray my 30 minutes a day so I can be saved. But mm-hmm. having that shift to where now... Man, I've got such a great father that paid the price for everything I've done wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. And how can I not want to just commune with him mm. and, and 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 listen? And, you know, a formula that I, years ago an old Lutheran pastor told me, Tom, you need an hour alone with the Lord a day or you're going to burn out. So, and, and and I try to spend an hour in the morning with the Lord, praying, reading the Bible, singing to the Lord, etc. But that's a formula that, oops, I didn't mm-hmm. put my hour in. Now a black cloud is over my head the rest of my day. We got, you know, it never says in the Bible you have to pray an hour straight. You know, so just even good stuff you can turn into a legalism. Right. And you got to remember, no. I'm forgiven, I'm saved, even if I don't put in an hour, the Lord's going to be with me today. And not to put yourself into that legalism, even for something that's good like prayer. Amen. Another question from a listener. Why do we have denominations? Where is this concept supported by Scripture? Furthermore, the concept of membership. I got a couple Lutheran pastors here. This should be interesting. (laughs) I'll hang up and listen. You go first, Tom, if you want. Well, denominationalism is born out of controversy. I mean, almost always there was some schism in the church, some disagreement, some battle over something, and then 
uh, groups broke apart and formed different denominations. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, that was a pretty big deal. I mean, there was something they were really fighting for. I understand that. But the problem is we never found a way to reconcile. And so we've got all these denominations out there, and each one has their own particular bent on the gospel without showing the world the unification we have in Jesus Christ, which is really a sad thing to see. When it comes to membership, um, it's interesting because membership is uh, put upon us more by the state than it is by anything else for our tax-exempt organization. If you're going to use the term membership, it's much easier or better to use the word partnership, which Paul uses in the gospel. You know, I thank you for your partnership in the gospel from this day forward, because membership means something we belong to in our culture and we pay our dues. Partnership means something we believe in and we're actively involved in. And we want to, I'm a partner in the gospel with other Christians with Jesus Christ. Uh, membership doesn't demand that out of me. I just have to make sure I give them the offering and that I show up. But I would rather go the other direction to be a partner in the gospel. And I would say, I think everybody should be a member of the Christian church. Not just somebody that goes to church and I never join because I'm lazy or I don't want to be real committed. I think everybody needs to actually join and be part of a Lutheran body. Now, can I point to a Bible verse where it says that? The only thing I can point to is that the early believers in, what is it, Acts chapter 2, were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and prayer, to the breaking of the bread. That would probably be communion. So, you know, okay, if you—I just get nervous. How how come my parents and the the people before us— it was important for them to be members of church. And today in lazy America, eh, I'll take it or leave it, and I don't really need to join. You but know? Jesus isn't important to people anymore, I Tom. Know, I know. I mean, that's the problem. Your parents and my parents were drawn to church after World War II, and your dad was in the war, and so was mine, out of a conviction that we were saved from the Axis and from the Imperial Japan mm-hmm, mm-hmm. by the hand of the Lord himself. Yep. We get to our generation, and we were rebellers. We, we were going to, we were the baby boomers yeah. and we had a much different way of approaching it. And for us, we have not had much turmoil personally in terms of the world. So we've given up on Jesus. And you know, the denominational question, I don't like the denominations either. I mean, Paul, when he writes first Corinthians is chapter one or two, some of somebody says, I'm a Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm a Peter. Well, did Peter get crucified for you? You know, and he didn't like that kind of thing. And I don't know that I like saying I'm a Lutheran. You know, the Lutheran Church used to be called the Evangelical Church. Somehow I got the name Lutheran eventually. I don't like that either. But can I say this for people who say, well, I'm not part of a denomination. I'm just the Church of Christ. There's a very conservative denomination called the Church of Christ, and they can talk like that. There's all these denominations, and then there's the Church of Christ, which is them. And, you know, and if you're, if you're a non-denominational Christian, fine, but what I, if you if you ask, okay, what is your what is your non denominational church believe? Well, adult baptism said, well, then you're Baptist. Of course, <laughs> you know. So it, you can't really get away from. I, I just don't like when people say, well, I'm not a, a ABCD. I'm just a Christian, and well, and 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 that's okay for me too. I want to say I'm a Christian way before saying I'm a Lutheran, but. Um, when you scratch below the surface, all these non-denominational churches, they're either charismatic or they're Baptist normally. Yeah, Isn't it interesting? We have Old Testament, New Testament. We get that from the Latin, testamentum. But you and I and others who study this know it's Old Covenant, New Covenant. And so the Old Testament is the Old Covenant. The New Testament is the New Covenant in Jesus' blood. We don't understand covenants in this culture. We don't understand that in covenants, the Lord comes looking for us before we look for him. 
when did the Jews get circumcised and become part of the, the body of Israel on the eighth day? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know of any eight-day-old kids who say, nope, not for me. I don't want to go that way. It just simply happened. And I think those that all see only adult baptism don't understand the covenant concept because they pick it up from the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. They understand that because a lot of those adults were being converted. It, yeah. But you've got the children, too, who became part of that covenant. And it's an, a fascinating to see how they, they lived that out and what it did. Either way, whether you're an adult or a child, I've right. seen people that have claimed Christ but then would not live for him. I've seen others who do claim him and definitely live for I him. Just Because of my TV show, I just get these emails, Pastor Brock. I don't go to church anymore because the church is in darkness. They don't understand the Bible properly like I do. And it's kind of like, and it's kind of like, let's all bow down at your feet and you tell us how to believe from now on. You know, th- those people make me nervous. They bug me. Another comment from a listener. The enemy loves to tempt us with figuring out our problems on our own or making us think we need a specific answer to something before we can move forward. But Jesus calls us to come to him if we are weary or heavy laden. He will Give us rest. There's some wisdom. Amen. Well, everything is a faith risk. The moment you trust in Jesus, everything becomes a faith risk. Mm -hmm. Because Jesus only puts so much out in front of us that makes sense. And then there's that part that's kind of murky. What do we do with that? And then to get where we need to go, we have no clue how it's going to happen over here. And I think that when we turn the church into an organization or a business, we'll never fully understand what it means to walk in faith with Jesus. The churches that I've admired the most are the ones that take incredible risks, not because they're foolish or stupid. They just simply felt that this was a faith challenge and they were going to meet that faith challenge. And they went ahead and did it and things happened. Uh, In all the years I've served churches, uh, I never once had a stewardship campaign. I never once asked for a tithe. I never once asked people to pledge money. I taught people simply, you give out of thankfulness to Jesus for all that he's done for you. And in all the years I served churches, I never really faced a financial issue. Money always came because people were getting it. You give out of your heart. And I remember when one rich guy said, well, I give 10%. And I said, well, that's great. What's Jesus telling you to give? And he looked at me and he left church and mm-hmm. came back a couple. I mean, he came back the next week and he said, this has been a miserable week after mm-hmm. you said that to me. But he said, I talked to Jesus about it. And he said, not enough. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, I think uh, that kind of wraps up our time. It's been wonderful, and I want to thank uh, everyone who participated today um, and all the ones that are normal and regulars. Peter Kapsner, who is on vacation, so he says. Buy that, guys? No. <laughs> and so, Bill, the main thing we learned today is don't trust your feelings. Do not, not trust your, your feelings. feelings. All right. Well, you guys say what you want. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Justin and Tom and Tom and Tiger. You're probably not listening anymore because you're having dinner. But thank you as well. And thank you to all the listeners who sent so many great questions. I hope you uh, can feel free to send any questions anytime. You can email me, Bill, at MyFaithRadio.com if you get an idea. It doesn't have to be during the program. You can just let me know, and I'll ask the next time we gather. So that wraps up our time with Guy Talk, the extended version. When we come back, Dr. Kristen Nelson will be joining us. She's a veterinarian. She's got quite a story to tell. Be right back.
This summer, we've been talking about salvation quite a bit. Mm. Every Wednesday, we're part of a series, and we're very excited about it. And if you're hearing the message of salvation, and you've been listening to the series, and maybe you're passing it on to a friend or a family member, I just want to let you know that if you have come to a, a new faith in Christ, and you have said yes to this extravagant gift of salvation, and you've become part of God's family, and you would be courageous enough to just send me an email and, and say, hey, I just want you to know I made that decision. I would uh, personally just love to get a Bible in your hands, and uh, I would love to send you one. So all you have to do is uh, email me, bill at myfaithradio.com, and say, you know, I heard one of those salvation series, and I, I made a decision to say yes to Jesus. And you know what, Bill, I'll take you up on your offer for that Bible. So that's all you have to do. So bill at myfaithradio.com. All right, all you animal lovers, I'm going to have a wonderful chance to uh, meet Dr. Kristen Nelson. She's a veterinarian, she's a speaker, and she's also an author. She's written a number of books, a series called Coated with Fur, A Vet's Life. And uh, she is uh, my special guest today. She has quite a story. Kristen, welcome. Thank you. Now, of course, when I read a little bit about your background, it sounds like your cat diagnosed your cancer. (laughs) Do tell me that story. Yeah, I'm very fortunate. Um, in 2010, I wasn't feeling well, and I'd been worked up, but they said, oh, it's Just change your diet. You'll be fine. And I did, but I wasn't fine. So I was laying in bed one day, and uh, the cat, Tigre, a little humane society kitty, jumped in bed with me, and he started to sniff me. And he started at my shoulder and worked down until he got to my abdomen, and then he hissed and tried to cover me with a sheet. Wow. Uh, And I knew I was in trouble. Wow. Um, A week later, I was in the hospital starting chemotherapy. I had a rare form of lymphoma called double-hit lymphoma, and I like to joke that I'm the only patient that had my first CAT scan at home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's an amazing story because little animals, they have incredible senses, don't they? Oh, they do. Um, And so now, whenever I'm out in public or speaking with people or at events, I always try to tell them about how sometimes um, animals will actually diagnose our illnesses. I think they all have the ability through their sense of smell, and especially our pets that really study us. They know exactly what we're doing. You know, it's like they know when they have to go to the vet before you think they should. <laughs> they, you know, <laughs> right. they know from studying you. And so they know when you're out of whack right away. And so um, this little kitty, when I, with this kind of cancer, I had to go into the hospital and get blasted with chemo and then come home to recover. And this went on for four months. And when I was home, he would never leave my side, oh, ever. so sweet. Yeah, and then when I was cancer-free, I didn't know it yet, but he started ignoring me again, so it was great. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He knew you were well, and and you didn't have to be under his watchful eye anymore. No, no. So, And I've heard so many stories of dogs, especially diagnosing melanoma. Mm -hmm. I think because it's on the skin, it's very smelly. Um, Many, many people have been diagnosed um, by their dogs or their friends' dogs, Um, Low blood sugar, that's a really common one. And cats are good at that because they're more nocturnal. So a lot of women, their blood sugar will will drop at night. And I know of many cats who have saved their owner's life because they went to their, you know, son or their husband or their daughter and and pawed and was all cranky. And then finally they went to complain to their moms and found them in a coma. Oh, my. 
Wow. So they can diagnose all kinds of things, um, sepsis, and there's even, you know, seizure alert dogs, allergy alert dogs, and there's some dogs who are trained to find um, different infectious diseases. So, yeah, it's it's amazing, and cancers, it's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, I know of a horse in Colorado that this dog, or this horse is perfect, never did anything wrong. He's like the horse that you'd put a child on, and he wouldn't do more than a walk because he didn't think it was safe. You know, mm-hmm. and so um, his his former owner went to see him after being away for a long time, and after they said hello and he ate a few carrots, he suddenly bit her right breast so severely she had to go in for medical attention. And when they imaged her, they found she had breast cancer. Oh my! Yeah, he tried to remove it, unfortunately, oh, oh. but she got treatment then. So yeah. yeah, and he's never done anything like that since. So it's they really have this unbelievable ability. And I like to say, you know, um, sometimes God answers your prayers with uh, fur or feathers. Yeah. It's so interesting with, with COVID right now, it seems like it's nearly impossible to uh, adopt a rescue pet or even try to get one because everyone's gone out and gotten pets. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's it is wonderful. wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I hope we can put all the rescues out of business. They would Wouldn't be that so be happy. wonderful. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Because, yep. you know, if you suffer from feelings of isolation or loneliness, there's nothing quite like um, a little animal by your side. Oh, yeah. And um, children, if they're raised with, um, you need at least 20 pounds, but at least 20 pounds of a furry pet from zero to a year, their chances of allergy and asthma go way down. It's like a 7% reduction. Okay, why is that, Kristen? Well, um, Dennis Ownsby from, I think it's Georgia, Med- or Georgia Medical College, he theorizes that there's uh, bacteria on the animal's fur that release endotoxins that actually dampen down the immune response. So it's like training the child's immune response not to react. It's the same reason why people who grew up on farms rarely have allergies or asthma to anything. Oh, that's really interesting. So there's also mm-hmm. some little, a few benefits, like if you have an animal, there's, you know, there might be a little bit of lower blood pressure in you or maybe even cholesterol or the old triglycerides level. There's something about a, a little uh, warm animal kind of halfway on your lap that's pretty calming. Oh, absolutely, yeah. That became the foundation of the human-animal bond movement where um, it was Dr. Karen Allen who found that um, she wanted to study really stressed-out people any group, who, any idea who she might have decided to study? <laughs> Let me guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've heard parents and all kinds of stuff, but she picked stockbrokers. Okay. And uh, she would have, have half the group, they were all in the Cinepil for hypertension, and she had them adopt pets and then uh, half the group, and then she'd measure their blood pressure and heart rate before, during, and after a stressful event. And the people with the animals always had significantly better results. Wow. So I would assume uh, your practice is just going nuts and maybe has for a long time. Um, Well, I bought a a practice that was a turnaround situation. Okay. So um, it took a little more turning around, so I haven't been writing (laughs) for the last couple of years, but now it's really taken off. So I just hired my first associate, Dr. Volpe. She's wonderful. And she's actually working today, so I'm off. Oh, fantastic. um, The old day off. You live in Arizona, so Uh at 110 degrees today, you're not really going outside much, are you? No, no. Everyone gets up really early. So you see all your neighbors out walking really early, and then you don't call anyone after 8 mm-hmm. <clears throat> because we go to bed early. 
All right, I got a bunch of questions just about people with pets when they come in, and primarily dogs and cats. Um, I, I'm curious as to the, the, the top five uh, concerns or issues and what you largely tell them. I mean, I would assume diet and weight and exercise is a big factor for dogs and cats. Yes, you are correct. Um, diet is huge right now because if you walk into a pet store, there's, what, 20 rows of different foods? No and everyone's got an opinion. It's very overwhelming. So there's a huge fad right now that grain-free is the way to go. But if you Google grain-free diets, D, uh, FDA, and dogs, you'll find that these grain-free diets that have legumes, um, you know, your peas, your beans, things like that, and potatoes and sweet potatoes, they're being associated with a serious heart problem called um, dilated cardiomyopathy. So we really don't recommend grain-free diets. And actually, gluten sensitivity has only been documented in one family of Irish setters that came from England. Okay. That's really interesting. Yeah. So a diet's a huge discussion right now. So I really, um, unless your pet has a documented sensitivity, just a really good quality general food, you don't have to... <clears throat> spend a fortune. Um, unfortunately, some of the brands out there that their marketing is fantastic, but they're actually their products are not as good. So I, um, the four companies that have actually never had this problem so far are Purina, Iams, Hills, and Royal Canin. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are other good ones too, but right now, but your listeners can go and just Google that and they'll find a list of all the different brands that have had this problem. Mm -hmm. What about the uh, dental health of dogs and cats? I mean, well, I, I hear about people trying to brush their teeth, and that doesn't always go over real well. How important is it to do that? Oh, it's really important. Dental health is important to our pets, just like for us. So um, I have tried every product out there, and I wish I could tell you my pets were perfect for their dental brushings, uh -huh. but they're not. Um, the brush, in my experience, is either too big or gets hard and hurts, and then you have to put it through the dishwasher constantly to keep it clean. So what I found is it's a product that contains chlorhexidine solution, and I just put it on a swab and I rub it along the gum line. Ooh. I look, you know, and and actually it doesn't really taste. And I've trained even a feral cat to let me do that. Wow. It's a lot easier than brushing teeth. You just you don't even have to open their mouth. You just open their lips and swab it. And the cool thing is that dogs and cats don't have the bacteria that causes cavities like humans do. Okay. So you can brush their teeth before they eat. And, you know, if they're hungry, a lot of times they'll put up with a lot more from us because <laughs> they want to eat. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, again the, tell me again the product you're swiping on their gums. It's chlorhexidine. The one I'm currently using is called Cleansident. Okay. It's made for animals, and you can get it, um, you know, through the Internet. And don't use a human product because they put artificial sweeteners in there, and the xylitol is toxic to dogs and cats. Oh, that's good to know. And then what about uh, vaccinations? Is that uh, critical as well for dogs and cats? Oh, yeah. We really need to vaccinate. Um, and I know over-vaccination is a problem, too. But most of the times we now tailor it to what the pet's lifestyle is. So for puppies and kittens, they get their core when they're young. Um, for dogs, it's a distemper parvo parainfluenza and then a rabies. And then after that, it depends on what their lifestyle is. Um, up where you are, Lyme disease is very important, as well as lepto. And uh, 
Lepto is a disease carried by rats and rodents, Ew. and it can infect people as well. Ew. Okay, what about flea and tick and heartworm stuff? Yeah, that's another one. You need to have them on a um, preventative for heartworm disease, and it's uh, pretty much all over the country right now. We used to be able to stop it during certain seasons, but not anymore. And um, unfortunately, too, they still have to be tested every year because some people along the Mississippi River tried this slow-kill method for dogs that had heartworm disease, and it made the worms resistant to our, um, our preventatives. So even if you are giving your dog a monthly preventative or a six-month, a pro-heart shot, however you want to do it, there still is a chance they could have it. So it's important to get tested once a year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a little break. Dr. Uh, Kristen Nelson is my guest, and we'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to the show. So glad to have Dr. Kristen Nelson. She's a veterinarian and author and speaker. And I'm just uh, I'm just loving getting all this good information. Uh, she's written a series of books called Coated with Fur, A Vet's Life. Boy, I, Kristen, I bet you've had some really wild stories. I know you've got one you could share. There's something about a snake stuck in a doorway. That got, oh, my, yeah. that got my attention. Yeah, Miss Elvira. Miss um, Elvira. Miss <laughs> Elvira, yeah. She's a beautiful boa. And uh, I had to give her a shot. And then after that, she was very angry with me. So I put her on the table and told her owner she was on a blanket. And I said, just let her chill a little bit before you pick her up. So um, I went back, and all of a sudden I heard screaming. And I ran back into the room, and there's the back half of Elvira from under the door wiggling. And... uh, and being a smart snake, she didn't try to come back to where I was. No, she tried to go to the, the through another door out to the lobby. And in the lobby were all these society ladies with fluffy pets. And as you can imagine, a snake wasn't what they wanted to see. Right. So I ran up there, and they're all outside, pressing their faces into the glass, clutching their pets. And there's Elvira trying her best to get through the door, but she had had a mouse for lunch the day before, so that wasn't happening. So um, I thought, well, they never taught me what to do in vet school about this, so hmm. So I sat down next to Elvira and grabbed her head, and I thought, well, if I have her head, they'll think I'm in control, (laughs) which isn't true at all. But um, at least maybe they'll come back in the clinic. And then we're trying to figure out how to get her out because she was wedged under that door really tight. You know, that little space between the floor and the door? Yeah. And the door was heavy. And I was afraid if we took it off the hinges, it would squish her. 
you know. So I got all those ladies to come, and we put a bunch of lube on the snake, and they all pulled up on the door handle for me, and I wedged her sideways until I got her out. Wow, I'm exhausted. (laughs) Just hearing that story, Kristen, I'm exhausted. (laughs) Well, the funniest thing was that we got her out, we're all happy, and I cleaned her up, and I gave her to her owner. And a lot of snake people will wear leather coats, and then they'll just put their snake in their jacket instead of having a carrier. So she did that, and her her coat started to move in very unnatural ways. And then when she turned around, this was a young woman, and she had kind of low-slung pants, and you saw Elvira's tail going right down her mm. backside. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. So the ladies, uh, they were not impressed. <laughs> so for the record, I don't recommend transporting snakes like that. I think they're much better in a carrier wrapped in a blanket with a little heating element. I think that's much safer. Yeah. All right, Kristen, I just have to ask, because did you grow up like on a farm, or where did you grow up where you're not afraid of anything? Because I'm afraid hearing the story about Elvira. <laughs> well, she was just a boa. She was actually Oh, really just nice. a boa. Okay. Yeah, just a boa. Yeah. Some of them do scare me a little. Yeah, I grew up on a farm um, in Watertown, Minnesota, and we had uh, beef cattle and horses and all kinds of other critters. And then um, my neighboring farms had dairy cattle, and I got to ride with the veterinarians out of Watertown. And I don't know, I just love them all. And even though reptiles aren't my favorite, I really feel sorry for them because when I was back in Minnesota, there weren't many people taking care of them and they were suffering. Mm -hmm. So I would do my best to help them out. But now we have people who just specialize in exotic animals. And there's so much knowledge now in veterinary medicine that I think it's hard to do everything Mm -hmm. like I used to. I just do dogs and cats now because... I have trouble finding enough time to sleep and keep up on, on all my continuing education the way it is. I was going to ask that as well. I mean, I don't know um, the continuing education. Tell me more about that because I always thought either, you know, dogs and cats haven't changed too much over time. So what, what are we learning new that's just pivotal? Oh, so many wonderful things um, because advances in medicine let us do more for oh, our sweet. pets as well okay. as people. So one of the coolest things right now is for dogs with allergies, they've developed a monoclonal antibody that that blocks the interleukin-31 receptor site, and that transmits itch. So you can give them an injection of a monoclonal antibody and take away their itch. I mean, wow. that to me is just a miracle. And right now I'm taking a, um, every Sunday night for two hours, I have a class on pain management. It's all the latest breakthroughs and different types of pain and how we can manage pain without depending on the opioids as much because of the war on opioids, you know. So uh, it's just fascinating the new things they're coming out with. We have a block, a local anesthetic block, like what the dentist would give you Mm -hmm. when you go in. But in animals, we can use it along incision line, and it'll keep the area numb for three days. Oh, wow. You know, so then we can, like if they're spayed you can, or neutered, you can just numb up the incision line, and then they don't need to go home with as many drugs. You can just, you know, do like an anti-inflammatory, and they're very comfortable. That is fascinating. It's just so interesting. And when you um, deal with cats and dogs that maybe might, are, might be injured? Do you do surgery as well at your clinic? Oh, yeah, I, I do a lot of surgery. That's okay. my one of my most favorite things. We just um, 
I guess it was about two weeks ago, a lot of these people who own um, the brachiocephalics, the little pugs and bulldogs and things, Mm -hmm. those dogs have so many problems breathing. Their nostrils are pinched together. They have a really long soft palate that hangs in the back and makes them snore like crazy, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when they breathe in, they have to really to get air in and over time they'll kind of wear out their respiratory system so I had a little one named Lily and I did a nose job on her and I trimmed her soft palate and when she was waking up she wasn't snoring anymore oh that's so sweet yeah and she'll live so much longer and healthier now and she won't be as prone to heat stress because she can actually breathe now Hmm. and just the the bond and the connection we just have about a minute left or so Kristen and I'm just going back to um, people just really do love their pets, don't they? Oh, yeah. They're definitely part of the family. And, you know, we're all God's creatures. And um, I think it's normal and healthy that we have uh, love for everyone. And I really think that pets are our best um, demonstration of God's love for us, of really what it means to, to just really truly love without any pretense or question. Yeah. I mean, the devotion that they offer you or their they're looking at the window waiting for you to come home and they walk to the window when you go away and they just look at you with these loving eyes going, well, you'll be back, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, the later you are, the more happy that they are that you came home. <laughs> you don't get yelled at. <laughs> yeah. And if you if you step on their foot, they forgive you right away, don't they? Yeah. They're just amazing. Yeah. And then uh, you've got uh, a dog at your house, a dog, a cat and a bird, right? Uh, actually, I have two dogs that are sleeping in my office right now. Nice. What They're, are they? Um, uh, one's a golden retriever, and one is a German Shepherd mix. And then there's two cats on my desk that were uh, ferals that are now hanging out, living the life. And then at nice. the clinic, I have um, birds and cats there. So, yeah, nice. I have a lot of pets. <laughs> so when you, my last question is, when you say feral, does that mean they're just wild in the streets and they got caught and you... What happened? Yes, that's exactly right. They were born uh, wild, and they were trapped. This litter came from the local um, corner gas station where there was a feral mom, and they trapped her, and they knew she had kittens. Um, And then I ended up hand-raising the kittens. But at my clinic, we've trapped, I think, two cats out of the parking lot. And um, everyone thinks feral cats, that's it. You can't do anything with them. But... Both of them have become just wonderful cats. And uh, the first one, Vixen, she's in the home. She's sweet as can be. And we have parking lot Pete, who's an orange nice. cavy. And he's uh, he's on a camping trip right now with one of my technicians. But when he comes back, I think I have a home set up for him too. But they really can be nice cats. But it, you just have to give them a chance to learn to trust people. Fantastic. Dr. Kristen Nelson has been my guest, veterinarian and uh, speaker and author in her series is called Coated with Fur, A Vet's Life. You can pick that up over at Amazon.com. Kristen, thanks so much for doing the show. It's just been a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. That is our show for the day. So thank you so much for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Again, if you listened to that last hour and you've said yes, and you said, I want to be forgiven, and I want to have a personal relationship with Jesus, and you made that decision today, I would just love to hear from you. You can send me an email, bill at myfaithradio.com, or you can send me a text at 877-933-2484. Have a great night, and God bless. I'll see you tomorrow.
Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.